here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the brand new Las Vegas Raiders. This is the Raiders Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosher. Hello and welcome into the Raiders Wire podcast. It's good to be back. Marcus, short hiatus for me. My wife and I welcomed our son, Julian, into the world on Friday, October 8th. And life has been different, to say the least. I know uh, you know what I'm talking about because your daughter's got to be right at the one-year mark, right? Isn't she? Yeah, she's she's almost 11 months old. So, But here's the thing, Ryan. Uh, the last time I talked to you, the, the Raiders were coming off a bad loss to the Chargers. John Gruden was the head coach. All that was you know, wrong with the Raiders. And we were wondering if they're going to make the playoffs. Now they're the number one seed in the AFC, and Rich Visace is their head coach. So, so what happened in those two weeks? A ton has changed with the Raiders, right? And <laughs> I think I texted you at one point just, wow, what a time to be away. What a time to yeah. be away. But, you know, while the Raiders are going through a uh, complete organizational change, I'm just getting peed on by my two-week-old son, right? I just, <laughs> I have not been able to figure that thing out. Like, the lo- I know everybody warned me, including you, the loss of sleep. That yep. hasn't been a problem. I can deal with that. I think the most difficult part for me is like the diaper changing and it's not necessarily getting, you know, the, the physical act of putting the new diaper on the baby. It's the speed and precision it takes to not get peed on. And I'm telling so, you, man, I, the hand eye or something, <laughs> the speed, something's not right. Something's not right. So that's there. always a big problem, right? It takes, it takes about a hundred diaper changes before you get your rhythm down. But how about like just the, the dad break? Have you had that yet where you're just forgetting stuff or you're just feel like you're on auto, autopilot all the time? Is that hidden yet? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, so okay. so my takes are forgiven. You know, my bad sports takes from here on out are, are forgiven <laughs> uh, going forward. But yeah, no, like, like I said, I'm getting peed on at the same rate as uh, Derek Carr's completion percentage against the Eagles. That's what I wrote down. I mean, it's basically, Jeez, it's, it's almost nice. 90%. Yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but yeah, so two games since John Gruden has resigned. And I think in those two weeks, Marcus, Derek Carr, is he's basically been the league MVP. Nobody would have blinked an eye if the... Raiders got smoked by the Broncos in that first game, mm-hmm. right? With just everything that happened that week and them having to switch things up with the coaching staff and the game plan and all that. And for them to beat the Broncos and then come back. And I thought there was a lot of things I loved about this Eagles win, which I want to get into. But I just think Derek Carr is the guy you talked about a little bit with Steve last week on the show. But since Gruden resigned, Carr has been lights out and he's been a, an absolute leader and one of the best quarterbacks in the whole league. So not only have they won back-to-back games without John Gruden, They've dominated, right? Like, neither of those games are even as close as what the final score indicated. The Raiders scored 30 straight points against the Eagles uh, in Week 7, and that game was over by halftime. So, just an impressive job by Derek Carr to take more of a leadership role. We've talked about the offensive line forever, how bad they've been, and they're still bad right now. And Derek Carr is still dominating, averaging, you know, well over eight yards in the attempt. You know, he did it yesterday without Darren Waller, without Josh Jacobs for most of the day. Just got to give a lot of credit to Derek Carr right now because he is playing like an MVP candidate. Well, you posted his passing chart against the Eagles, and it was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? Like this, the distribution, all three levels of the defense, every, like left, right, center. It was like the green dots for completions on that chart that you tweeted. was It was a thing of beauty. It was like perfect. Like, I don't know yeah, how you he, draw it up any better than that. He only had two passes hit the ground all day. One was an interception, so we're not that one obviously uh, doesn't count too much, Bad right? Throw, though. And the Bad other throw. ones were the, the other ones were just throws out of bounds where people caught it on the sideline. Like he he was unbelievable yesterday. 
I, I think that's probably the best game I've ever seen Derek Carr play. He's being more aggressive, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, he's connecting with Henry Ruggs. He's finding fullbacks down the down the sideline and Foster Moreau and and Zay Jones. I mean, just he's playing the best football of his career. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and uh, he's doing it with a new play caller, right? So Greg Olson has taken over of, as the play caller. Rich Bisaccia, as we've, as we've discussed, he's the new head coach in the mm-hmm. interim basis. Gus Bradley's still doing his thing on the defensive side. So uh, at least the coaches, they've got a, a good coaching core to kind of handle what's been going on. But, you know, there's, I've seen this question on Twitter a little bit, Marcus. Like, was John Gruden holding this team back a little bit on offense? I don't know. I mean, he's an old-school guy. Uh, the team's now won by double digits, back-to-back games, the first time since 2017. So they don't win back-to-back games by double digits very often. They're two high-scoring games of the season. And uh, what are you seeing? What, like, what's different with Olsen calling the plays? What's been different in your eyes over these last two weeks? Yeah, so first and foremost, we do have to give Grud a lot of credit for kind of rebuilding Derek Carr because we saw this progression over the last couple of years. You know, Carr just got better and better every year. So this is still the John Gruden offense. The only real difference that Olsen has made is he's been a lot more aggressive on first down. When John Groove was a play caller, this is a team that ran the ball on almost every single first down, and it put them behind the chains. With Greg Olson, they're just throwing the ball more. They know that their rushing attack is not as good as they'd hope it to be, and it's led to a better offense. So I think it's I think you can give credit to both Gruden and Greg Olson uh, for making this offense as efficient as it is. They are throwing it more, right? And you, and you saw it. I thought there was this one defining drive in the Eagles game, Marcus. Late second quarter. I think you're going to know exactly where I'm going mm-hmm. with this. They start at their own four-yard line. No Darren Waller. He was inactive. So, I mean, the one player, we talk about him every week, the player that makes the uh, offense go, Darren Waller, is out of the game. And I just thought that drive was such a signature drive of a good team. Uh, you know, like, yes. it starts off yes. early 18-yard pass to Brian Edwards. And then... A couple plays later, Carr hits Ruggs for a first down. And then a couple plays later, it's Renfro on a second and short first down. The screenplay to Jacobs kind of sets up the touchdown run. I mean, 10 plays, 96 yards, 4 minutes and 26 seconds. They pass for five first downs on the drive. And it was just a signature kind of moment. The Raiders went up 14-7 at the time, but I think you could feel that the game was kind of over. They started slow again. Yep. The Eagles went up. Then the interception happened. It's like, here we go with the Raiders. But... I think in in that moment, after that drive, it just seemed like the Eagles were completely dead and the Raiders had taken the game. And that drive was easy for the Raiders. Yeah. It didn't seem like they were stressed out at all. The Eagles really didn't present any, any challenges for them. And that's shocking considering the state of their offensive line. Like the Eagles' pass rush is supposed to be the strength of their team. Derek Carr was never sacked. He was only knocked down, I believe, one time in this game and really never hit. They did a fantastic job. I mean, just you got to give kudos all the way around to that Raiders coaching staff and, and the offense. Considering the uh, the roster, the injuries, the head coach leaving five and two, it's a good place to be for the Raiders, huh? This is this is pretty sweet. I mean, if I would have told you going into week eight that no team in the AFC has a better record than the Raiders, you never would have believed it, right? And now they're two games up over the Chiefs. Uh, the Broncos certainly look like they're crashing down the earth, and yep. we'll see about the Chargers. I mean, I still think the Chargers are going to win this division, but. The Raiders are certainly in the thick of things as we get into November. Well, the Chargers might be in trouble against the Patriots this week, Marcus, but we can talk Ooh. about that later. We'll talk Ooh. about that later. Yeah, I'm high on the Patriots after this win over the Jets now. But uh, hey, coming up next, I want to talk a little bit about the Mike Mayock, the Satya thing, the front office, the turnaround, 
and the trade deadline coming up. Marcus and I will dive into all that coming up next. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 8. Let's get right into it. Denver Broncos quarterback Teddy Bridgewater versus the Washington football team. The veteran quarterback gets Jerry Judy back in the lineup this week. Washington's tough to run against, but they're much weaker against tight ends and wideouts. With a capable pass-catching tight end in Noah Fant and three deep of legit wide receivers, Bridgewater should find a lot of success in the passing game. The position has averaged a league-high 31.2 fantasy points per game against this defense, and the next closest team, which is Kansas City, has given up only 28. One in every 9.7 completions is a touchdown, and Washington has picked off just one out of every 69 pass attempts. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss versus the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo returns from its bye week to face one of the weakest defenses of the running back position. Moss is coming off his worst game of the year with 5.9 PPR points in week 6, so this matchup comes at the perfect time. Miami has allowed a ground score per game on average, and in the last five weeks this defense has improved some, giving up neutral stats across the board as its secondary has struggled to contain receivers, but with all of the attention paid to Buffalo's wideouts, Moss should be free to roam inside the red zone. On the other side of this matchup, Jalen Waddle wide receiver Miami Dolphins at Buffalo Bills. The Bills have the strongest defensive wide receivers in the last five weeks, and only one of 46 catches has crossed the stripe. In week two, these teams met for the first time this year, and Waddle, mind you, it was his second game ever, caught six passes for 48 yards. He has at least as many yards in five of seven games this year and a hearty 21 targets in the last two contests alone. Buffalo will be content to allow Miami to throw a lot of short area passes in effort to keep them from going over the top, and PPR gamers shouldn't be afraid of the statistical matchup. That said, expect a result cap somewhere in the mid-teens for PPR points. Tight end CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals at New York Jets. There's definite risk in stumping for Uzama, even with a wonderful matchup, just because this offense has so many outlets for the football. The Jets have played really well versus wide receivers, which is Cincinnati's strength, but running backs and tight ends have chewed them up. In the past five weeks, New York has looked a lot more like gangrene than gangrene. Tight ends have averaged 18.8 PPR points on the eighth most catches and yards per game. Two of the 30 catches have scored. While it's always a risk that he could get lost in the mix with so many talented weapons around him, the matchup is super bright and Uzama is a worthwhile play. For more award-winning fantasy football news tips and advice please be sure to check out thehuddle.com that was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typico sportsbook for a limited time new typical sportsbook users in colorado and new jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast that's usatodaybet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and Conditions 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey, 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado. Mark Davis, he didn't have a lot of time to make his call here, and he goes with Rich Passaccia. Why is he the right man to lead the Raiders, do you think? So far in the interim, he's done a fantastic job. Because he's one of the most well respected coaches in the entire NFL. Yeah. I mean, the number of people around the league that kind of look up to uh, Rich Versace and ask him questions about how to run things and run meetings and run a special team unit is, uh, it's amazing. I mean, he is just so well-liked, not only in that locker room, but around the NFL. He's waited for this chance for his entire life, and he finally gets it on a team that I think is pretty good. I, I'm not sure he's going to be the full-term head coach and he's going to get the job long-term with the Raiders next year, but he's certainly making a pretty good case for it right now. So it brings up this really interesting commentary on 
the balance of power with personnel, right? So Gruden reportedly had 51% power to Mike Mayock's 49%. <laughs> now, how much we want to believe that was true, we could, we could debate that, right? But that is like the report. And now that balance of power has switched in Mike Mayock's favor with Gruden gone. Mayock is said to have the 51% to Bisaccia's 49%, Marcus. What does that mean for the Raiders with Mike Mayock now having the final say on personnel decisions? You think that's a good thing for the Raiders? So, Ryan, you know, if you have 51% <laughs> of the that's say... That's a leading question. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, if you have 51% of the say, do you know what that really means? You have 100% of the say, yes. right? Yeah. John Gruden made every single decision. He signed off on every single move. And we know when it came to the draft and free agency and trades... He was the one that was making those moves. And it was Mayak that had basically go out to the media and say, yep, this is what we're doing. This is what's best for our team. I just think now with Gruden kind of gone, everybody can just do their jobs. And I hate to use a Patriots kind of slogan here, but do your job, uh, that's exactly do what your it job. is. Just do your job. And that's what's going on. I think, you know, Greg Olson, all he has to worry about is calling the offense. All Gus Bradley has to do is worry about the defense. And now Mayock just gets to worry about building the roster, not having to worry about appeasing John Gruden or making moves that John Gruden would like. They just get to do their job. So Gruden hires Mike Mayock, right? He pulled him off the NFL network or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and now the Raiders are in an interesting spot. Now, Basaccio looks like he'll be fine coaching the team this season. But, you know, at, at the end of the year, Marcus, they're going to have to figure out who the next head coach is and how that mm-hmm. balance of power is going to shift. Like, what if it's a guy? What's a, what if it's a big outside hire like... I don't know, Dabo Sweeney over in Clemson or some big oh, please, name. No. Yeah, please. I know. But what if it's <laughs> that's just an example, right? What if it's just like this big name and now like do you come over and now you got to go to Mike Mayock and be like, "Oh, Mike, nay, that's 50-50 now. 50-50 like, I don't know, that that whole like arranged marriage with Mike Mayock and how that works out. <laughs> will they let him be the GM going forward even with the new guy? Will they bring in the next kind of quote-unquote John Gruden type who wants to control everything? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline with this team as we get through this season. Well, I think it's also fair to wonder, is May- Mike Mayock even going to be there, yeah. right? Because there right. were some rumblings, you know, this offseason that maybe this is the last year of Mike Mayock. The president resigned. Obviously, Gruden's gone now, and Mayock really doesn't have any ties to anybody in that building now. So I do think Mayock will be back. I do think they'll ultimately allow him to pick the, the head coach. But it's going to be a team effort. Like, Mark Davis is going to have a say in this. He's going to want somebody in there that, can attract you know people into that stadium uh so i i I do think it's going to be a team effort all right marcus the uh trade deadline is less than a week away now or or about a week away now that we're talking november 2nd 4 p.m never mind the afc west the raiders share the best record in the entire conference five and two so if there was a position group that the team could realistically address before the deadline who would you be targeting right like you know, I'm thinking, I'm looking at, you know, the, the injuries on the in the secondary. Maybe mm-hmm. a guy like Kyle Fuller, who's struggling in his first year with Denver. Maybe a, a player like that that could help bolster up a banged-up secondary. But what uh, what position group would you target? So, uh, let's start with the secondary. I, I don't think they're going to make a move there because Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett are supposed to come back after the bye or shortly after. And with Nate Hobbs and Casey Hayward playing so well, I think they feel pretty good about their secondary. I will say one guy they could potentially move is Cleveland Farrell, who only played like 14 snaps on Sunday. It's pretty clear he just needs a change of, change of scenery. Yep. They've got some other guys that they want to use there. So he could be a guy that they ship off for a day three pick. But if they're going to make a move in the trade deadline, I think it has to be on the offensive line. 
John Simpson got banged up in this game. Alex Leatherwood is up and down at right guard. Brandon Parker continues to be uh, just atrocious on the right side. So if there's a tackle out there that they could you know, be an upgrade over Brandon Parker, I think they would explore that. If there's a swing interior offensive lineman that they can bring in to improve their depth, I think they would do that as well. But those are really the, the only spots I would be looking at in a trade. That's a tough one, though, Marcus, isn't it? Because, like, every team's looking for a good offensive lineman. Yes. I feel like that's a, that's a saturated market. If you can, can, if, can I give you a name? If they want to really go out and they think this is the year they can make some noise, what about Jason Kelsey, uh, a center they just played for the, uh, against the Eagles? He's 33. His contract is up after this year. The Eagles are pretty clearly not going anywhere. This would be a good move for Mac to say, hey, we made a mistake with Rodney Hudson. Let's bring Jason Kelsey in, his leadership, and kind of solidify the interior offensive line. I think that's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I love it. I think the Raiders should definitely be buyers. I mean, they're right yes. there. They're right there. And the AFC, Marcus, is so wide open. One week it's the Bills. The next week it's the Ravens. Now it's Why is, not? Is why it couldn't Titans? it be the Raiders? Yeah, is it the Titans? Why, why right? couldn't it be you? Every, Your defense is playing well. Their car's healthy. You've got playmakers. Why not? There's... There's absolutely nobody in the AFC right now that is light years better than you. Like, they can play against any team in the AFC and win a game right now. Why not go out and try to make a little bit of a run? No, I agree 100%. I think it, the, the top team in the AFC, it seems to change every single week. So why not the yep. Raiders? Um, they're on a bye this week. That doesn't mean we don't have stuff we can talk about to bet on this week, Marcus. There's always stuff to bet on. And we will talk about that coming up next. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slipping Podcast, presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football matchup with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the Cowboys favored one and a half. Uh, the Vikings money line is plus 102. The Cowboys money line is minus 125. The over under is 45 and a half. I am on the Vikings plus the points. Actually, I'm just going to take the Vikings outright as a road dog. In the Zimmer era, they're 10 and 3 against the spread as a home underdog. Also, Dallas is 6 and 0. ATS record is due for some regression. I'm skeptical Dallas' defense is this good, and I like a healthy Minnesota offense to keep pace with the Cowboys. Nate. How do you see the Cowboys-Vikings game playing out? I'm going opposite on you, Jeff. Minnesota has a bottom 10 rush defense. Dallas ranks top three in rush attempts per game. The Cowboys are 5-1 and one and have won four of their last five by six or more. Dak is a surging MVP candidate, and their offense has been on fire. Give me America's team by more than one point. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus, Raiders have a bye this week. Then they get a very winnable game against the New York Giants in Week 9, right? Another one of those Mm. 1 p.m. East Coast games, but I think the bye week and a bad Giants team could help them there. But let's talk about, let's look at a futures bet here. So I'm looking at AFC Dark Horses, teams that come out of the uh, the conference. We've been talking about the Raiders at plus 1,500, which means 
on Tipico, if you were to bet $100, that would net you a $1,500 profit. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Right? That's a pretty good return mm-hmm. on your investment. I'm going to give you three dark horse options to win the AFC outright and go to the Super Bowl. Which one would you like to place your wager on, Marcus? The Bengals at plus 1,500, the Raiders at that same number, or the Patriots at plus 3,000. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for this Patriots team. I Don't think it's, they're it. way better. They're way it. better. They're way better than what the record indicates, as we saw on Sunday, just dominating the Jets. But to me, it's the Bengals. I kind of think there's something special going on with that team. The defense is really good. Both their losses were, you know, one score losses, one against the Packers. I just kind of think Joe Burrow is playing unbelievable football right now. I think, I think, I think the Bengals. Yeah, they are a fun team to watch. Jamar Chase is unbelievable. Holy crap. We're... Right, can I give, I'm going to give you a, a, another odds right here. Let's do uh, it. The, so the Raiders are leading the division again at 5-2, and two, best record in the AFC. They are minus 110 to make the playoffs, and the Chiefs sitting at 3-4 and four are minus 200. What is a better bet? What, what about this Chiefs team makes people think they're going to turn it around? They look terrible. I don't know. They look so bad. And the schedule gets tough for them. Like, they have some big games coming up against, like, the Packers, uh, two games against the Raiders, a game against the Cowboys. Like, their schedule does not get easy. And they already have four losses. They just scored three points against the Titans. The Titans, their defense is really bad. Really bad. Really bad. It's not going to get better. No. They're, no not, they're not getting any dudes back that are going to help them. It's, uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better, I think. It's unreal. I mean, I think it's, you, you finally catches up to you, right? You try to carry a bad defense on offense that long, and eventually it, it finally catches up to you. I think it's finally caught up to the Chiefs. I mean, their defense is woeful. They're so, so bad. It's so we're so fading the Chiefs. We're fading the Chiefs to make the playoffs. 100%, right? yeah, and, and I think, yeah. why, not bet the, why not bet the Raiders? I don't think the Chiefs are going to make a, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're going to make a run. I don't know. They look like a, they look like a team that's <laughs> heading the wrong way this year. Um, yes. Here's a, here's a bonus uh, question for you, Marcus. I think the clear game of the week, it's in the NFC, Green Bay at Arizona, right? Mm. Cardinals, Three and a half point favorites on the Tipico app. I kind of love them at that number. The, the Packers have won six in a row, but I don't think they've got their signature win yet, right? They've beaten the Lions, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Bengals, which they should have lost. They should have lost to those Bengals, Bears, and Washington, right? So they're six and one purely based on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams being brilliant, I think. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how great of a team they are. I know you had them in your top five on Twitter this week mm-hmm. when, you, when you posted your top five. But they have a really interesting matchup at Arizona. What do you think about that game, that matchup, and that line at three and a half? Yeah, so right before we came on the show, it was announced that Devontae Adams got put on the COVID-19 list and likely to miss this game, uh, which shifted the line from uh, Cardinals by three to Cardinals by six. Now, oh, wow, okay. Now, which, first of all, I've never seen a line move that much for a single receiver, but it is Devontae Adams. He's worth three whole points. I mean, does does the Packers at plus six without Adams do anything for you, Ryan? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're out then, right? You're, yeah. you're completely out? I like the Cardinals. What do you okay. think? This feels like a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers game, like on prime time. Nobody believes in us. I'm going to show you that I don't need Devontae Adams. I, I think his record is like 7-0 and without Devontae Adams playing. I think I'm. I think I'm taking the Packers plus six. It's just too many points. That is a lot of points. That is a lot of points. I'm gonna have to think about that. See, I wasn't prepared. That's not in my notes. I have it's, it at three and a half, so I'm frazzled. Has, has Rodgers ever been a six point underdog before? Oh, I, I really wonder. Probably not. But he's gonna be throwing to Alan Lazard, 
and uh, right. whoever whoever the hell else they have. But they might be able to just run the ball. And yeah. I think that's the thing is they could just run the ball with Aaron uh, Jones and A.J. Dillon and, you know, just make Rodgers make three or four big plays in the passing game. That'd be it. So we'll is, this, is this more of a commentary on you not believing in the Cardinals? I believe in the Cardinals. I just, I'm not sure how they're going to fare against elite, elite quarterbacks, right? Because their yeah. best win, I guess, was against Stafford, and they, they dominated that game. I just want to see a couple more games before I say they're a Super Bowl contender. All right, so do you want to give me crap about your Cowboys beating the Patriots uh, You know, a couple weeks ago? Now, I know your Cowboys have been in a bye, no, so you no, haven't no. been able to talk Cowboys football in a little while. No, I, I actually want to compliment the Patriots because... <laughs> You knew going into that game, the Cowboys, it was going to be a tough one. Dallas was not, they were never going to run away with that game. But Mac Jones, like, yes, the interception was bad, but that wasn't all his fault. But the answer back with that long ball to, to was it Kendrick Bourne? Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones is it. I, I, I really think he's, he's a dude, and I think that's my biggest takeaway from that game more than anything else. Now, the Pats have won... Three games. They're tied with the Chiefs. If you told me the Pats would be tied with the Chiefs at this point, Marcus, I would have taken, taken it. We're tied with the Chiefs, and they've only beaten the Jets and the Texans so far this year. But I'm actually, even you know me, I'm a very skeptical fan of the Patriots, and I was giving you crap when you thought they were going to make the playoffs earlier this year. I'm like, no way. I'm actually feeling pretty good about them after hanging 50 on the Jets. I think you hang 50. That shows something. That shows you got some confidence in your head in the right direction. So uh, I'm, I'm they, feeling they, good. They ha- and they haven't even completely figured out the offensive line yet, right? Like Trent Brown, who the Raider fans know well, he's has already missed a bunch of He's killing us. He's right. killing us with the he, same calf. you got to be kidding right. me. Right. I, I just – and New England's one of those teams. If they can kind of hang around 500 as we get into late November, early December, I'm just telling you, if I was an AFC team, that's the last team I would want to see in the first round of the playoffs. Like if you are the Chargers and you get the two seed and the Patriots are the seven seed, how much would that suck to have the Patriots and Bill Belichick coming to town in the first round of the playoffs? That would suck, but they, you know, just gotta, you just got to guard the first 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. You'll be okay. You'll be okay with the Pats, you know? So that's, that's what it is. You're such a Mac Jones hater. He's good. <laughs> He's good. I've, yeah, I've watched, I watched two decades of Brady, you know? That's, that's what it is. But no, wait, we're all Patriots fans because they're playing the Chargers this week. And Marcus, the Pats beat the Chargers 45 nothing last year. I don't know if you remember that game. I, I do. So... I think the Patriots plus five and a half in LA, having beaten that team and Justin Herbert last year, 45 nothing. I know the head coach is different, and I know it's a better Chargers team, but I think the Patriots got a chance at that number. I, I kind of like yeah, them at well, five and a half. The other thing is the Chargers cannot stop the run yes, at all. Right, and the one exactly. thing the Patriots can do really well is run the ball. Back to back 100 yard gains for Damian uh, Harris. That's going to be a better game than I think people anticipate. All right, so I'm back. I wasn't too sleep deprived today, right, Marcus? No, you're pretty, good. I was, I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty alert. Yeah, I'd say that's like an A minus game for you. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Night, a lot of coffee, keeping getting me going. Um, so hey, great to be back. Bye week. Everybody root for the Patriots to beat the Chargers, and uh, <laughs> yes. we'll just yeah, yes. and, and we'll keep rooting against the Chiefs because that's been kind of fun. So yes. <laughs> so for Marcus, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you all. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for us. We'll talk to you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.